0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another special edition of the From the Hack podcast. I, I really hope that you, your family, and your friends are well and that you're practicing social distancing and staying at home as much as possible in these surreal times we're living in right now. And uh, as I mentioned last week, uh, From the Hack will be offering uh, additional episodes over the coming weeks to try and serve as a additional distraction while uh, all of you are at home and uh, have uh, more time during the day to uh, spend listening to uh, a different uh, different podcasts and, and different episodes of your, of your favorite programs, be it on TV, uh, on the Internet, or on radio. Uh, my guest today is Price Atkinson, a colleague of mine that some of you may know as the co-host of the Extra Extra and podcast. Price is also the host of the Yards and Stripes podcast that covers football programs at the U.S. Military Academies in the States, and he has also done a bunch of work for different outlets, such as ESPN Radio. Price and I discussed some curling, but we also wanted to keep our conversation timely, so we discuss the impact that the COVID-19 pandemic is having on sports both in Canada, the United States, and around the world. So before we get started, if you've ever wondered how they get those nice graphics into the ice at Grand Slams, at the World Championships, and at Nationals in Canada and the U.S., well the answer is provided by Jedice, whose in ice graphics from Easy and Textile logos to the world famous Jedice full house product are great ways for clubs to enhance the appearance of their ice and to generate much needed additional sponsorship revenues. Easy and Textile logos are the industry standard for high quality logos and they are a snap to install. Meanwhile, Jedi's customizable full houses are a relatively new way for clubs to grow sponsorship revenues by offering maximum brand recognition to those sponsors. No one can match Jedi's design services, quick turnaround times, and product quality, which is why Jedi's products are valued by major organizations such as Curling Canada, the World Curling Federation, USA Curling, and Sportsnet, who trust Jedi's to provide the products they require for their high-profile events. Jedi's—they bring ice to life. All right, everyone. My guest today. Uh, is Price Atkinson, who uh, is based out of the U- United States and has done a lot of work uh, in the curling community over the past couple of years. Uh, Price is joining me from South Carolina, uh, where he's learning uh, how difficult a job of teacher is, uh, homeschooling one of his kids during this uh, this period of quarantine. Uh, Price, uh, first and foremost, uh, my, my main question for you, I guess, for this whole interview is how are you doing and, and how is the family uh, dealing with... Uh, with basically being in self-quarantine. Well,
1: thanks for having me, Frank. It's uh, awesome to talk to you for the first time on From the Hack, uh, under some very uh, uh, abnormal conditions that I think everybody, your listeners in uh, in Canada, uh, people down here in the States are are all dealing with. But, yeah, it has been an interesting uh, transition uh, the last few days as we – my kids were off on Monday and Tuesday last week, but then spring break or not spring break, but after those teacher work days came and went uh, Wednesday, we were off and running. Uh, uh, mom and dad had to uh, transition from, uh, I work at home every day. So nothing new for me, but it was new when you got, uh, you know, a six and uh, or seven and a nine year old uh, trying to go first and third grade and trying to help get assignments done, you know, digitally and virtually through, uh, through your teachers. And so it, it has been a, a time of transition here, at least for us in the Atkinson house. My wife is now pretty much working from home. Um, you know, solely like, like everybody, uh, it, there's no shelter in place here uh, in South Carolina, uh, like in a lot of the other states around, uh, the United States. But, you know, it, it's a scary time. You know, this is a, a scary time because there's just, it's filled with uncertainty. Um, and that's when, when we can't see an end or we, we don't, we can't see a light at the end of the tunnel. We don't know when things are going to go back to. To normal, if ever, you know, just that uncertainty, uh, and then certain, certainly the, you know, just the, the life and death nature of something so serious when, you know, whether you're prepared or, or in this case, in this United States case, uh, you know, not prepared. Um, we weren't prepared for this and there's no other way to sugarcoat it, but you know, just uh, thoughts and prayers to, to you, uh, everybody listening right now that. Um, smile, we will get through this. Uh, this is temporary. Um, We're resilient people uh, on this planet, um, especially here in North America, Canadians, Americans. Uh, we are going to get through this, but uh, we do need to take the, the time to, to smile every now and then as hard as it may be with, with everything going on.
0: And uh, and to that note, uh, Price, as we discussed before we started recording, uh, we're not going to spend much time talking about the virus and its implication on sports. Uh, uh, indirectly, I guess we will on a couple of occasions, just because of of uh, where we are at this point, uh, you know, you know, in in the cycle of this. Uh, but uh, otherwise, we're going to talk some sports, and we're going to talk a little bit of curling, obviously, because you've you've been involved and you've been covering the sport of curling for a few years now. And then we're going to talk some other sports. I know you're a big baseball fan, also a, a big. Uh, uh, a big football fan and uh, and for those who don't know um you were a uh, ncaa athlete at the university of kentucky as a swimmer so i'm going to touch on uh, on the uh the impact that this might have on uh, on uh, college athletes uh, who, uh, who 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 aren 't sitting at home making millions of dollars and uh, and there was word uh, that came out of the NCAA earlier this week that the uh, the athletes who whose season was ongoing basketball players as an example uh, won 't get their year of eligibility back so I uh, just want to get your opinion on that in a few moments so First question I guess is people who are listening to you for the first time, Price, who may not have heard you on other podcasts or may not have met you on the uh, on, on your curling journey so far, uh, they're going to wonder how a guy from South Carolina <laughs> with a South Carolina accent um, got involved in curling. So if you can give us the uh, what we call in Canada the Cole's notes of uh, of how you uh, got involved in the sport of curling, and and then we'll uh, move on to talk some more uh, curling business afterwards.
1: Well, I try, I try and get rid of the twang as much as I can when I'm north of the border or anywhere else, especially when I'm around my, uh, Canadian friends and, you know, our, our, my friends out in Minnesota and in the Dakotas. I, I try and remove as much as possible, you know, Stephen Colbert. I don't know how he perfected it. Uh, you know, he's Stephen Colbert, the host of the, uh, the late show, uh, a native of Charleston, South Carolina. He was able to 100%, you know, cold turkey you know, get rid of that, that twang. And I asked him one time when he interviewed my boss uh, back when my boss was uh, still in Congress in, in Washington, D.C., and he just kind of, he kind of looked at me and he gave me a, a wink and a smile, kind of like, would you like to know? But um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, I get asked that all the time, Frank, uh, how did you, how did somebody in the, in the non-hotbed, and I say hot, literally in air quotes, uh, uh, because spring has sprung, it's, it was 80 degrees over the weekend. How did you get involved uh, in curling? And, you know, it's pretty simple uh, in a lot of ways. You know, uh, television, you know, 2006 is really when I got bitten by the bug, watching it on television during the the Torino games and uh, literally just was watching every single second the office uh, when I was still in the congressional office. It was in 06. They were, everybody's coming to come in my office late and they would laugh at me. What, well, are you still watching that? Oh, yeah. And literally every time they'd walk in for about two weeks it, in the district office, I had it on. And, you know, it, it really just kind of, you know, I kept watching I was just trying to soak it in, you know, as in, in Americans that, what well, we always talk about that, that Olympic wave, you know, it gets, uh, it gets bigger. That wave kind of gets a little bit bigger every four years during that cycle. And, um, it takes a little bit longer for that wave to, to crest, you know, after an Olympic games. And certainly after the last one, I, it still really in a lot of ways hasn't crested, uh, which is neither here nor there. But, you know, I, it, it was, I think we got back, um, you know, I met Terry Davis uh, with USCA at the time and, or had talked to her online and, and helped her on, you know, a couple small, very, very minor things related to US nationals. Uh, when it came to social media back in, you know, two, I was say 2013, 14, 15, somewhere in there. Um, and then I think it was right after it got back from the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 50 in, in San Francisco, covering the Panthers, because I was uh, helping out co-host an afternoon radio show just. Just literally a friend's show, uh, trying to help him out because it had a lot of sports contacts, um, you know, guests to know. And um, we were out in the, uh, in the Super Bowl, got back, and I think I remember seen a tweet from the guys at the 12th in Sports Network, something about, hey, Nationals is only a week away or a month away, uh, get ready. And, and I said something kind of really half-jokingly, tweeted him back. Um, you know, wow, that would be a bucket list to be a part of, and and I had kind of gone back and forth with with uh, Joe Calabrese and Brian Anderson a few times, you know, over the years on Twitter during nationals, and they do a great job uh, broadcasting and streaming nationals uh, through the Twelfth and Sports Network out of Rochester. So, um, they they he wrote me right afterwards and sent me a message and was a private message on Twitter and said, "Hey, are you serious? Would you really be interested?" And I was kind of like. <laughs> all right there's no way he's being serious with me and i'm like oh well yeah and he said well give me a couple days uh because i think he knew i was doing some radio work and some other things uh hadn't met the hadn't met joe ba and um he just said okay hold on we, we might be able to do something here and so uh they came back a few days later that week and said hey we got we got an idea uh, we'd like for you to come out to, to everett 2017 um uh, you know, extend the arena. Uh, we'd like for you to spend the week. Um, we'd like for you to host the fifth in break and we'll do some other stuff, uh, in and around the broadcast through the, you know, the web stream. Uh, we will cover your hotel room if you can just pay for your, to get your, you know, your flight out. And I said, okay, absolutely. No problem. So literally, uh, within minutes uh, of getting there, um, you know, met, uh, you know, Rick Paskey, uh, USA curling CEO at the time, uh, Terry Davis came over and, uh, I mean, it was literally within, within a minute of being in the arena, just, Oh, we're so great. Happy you're here. Uh, just over filled with just gratitude. And just, I was just blown away. Um, and everybody always asked me, you know, what is it? What is it about the sport? What is it about curling that, that keeps you going back? That has you doing what you're doing on, you know, on the side today. And, and I tell them all, I said, you, you just, until you experience it and feel it, you just won't understand it because it's just, you know, the most special uh, community of people and, and that really, it, it took off just from there. And, you know, I was, I'm forever grateful for, for, to Joe and BA for that opportunity and, you know, still work with them, do the extraction extra podcast with, with, with TSN and, you know, work the web stream with nationals and, you know, just, a uh, forever grateful for, for letting them, uh, you know, help out because that's all I've ever wanted to do is just, is just help out and, and get involved and, you know, help grow the sport and the athletes and, and the sport and the athletes get the kind of credit that. That they all in, in the sport really deserves more in the mainstream.
0: So, uh, Bryce, uh, interesting story. I mean, I always I always enjoy uh, stories of, of people who aren't uh, in in areas that are known as traditionally "quote unquote" winter sports areas or curling curling areas to, that get involved in the sport. So that's always uh, I've heard the story before, obviously, because you and I know each other. But uh, yeah. I always like to hear you share that story. I just want to touch on a couple of things. Obviously, like I say, we're going to talk about several different sports in this podcast, uh, but I want to touch on uh, curling a little bit. Uh, first question. Sure i have for you uh, if we're going to look at the uh the u.s uh uh this season the u.s teams this season uh, uh, when nina roth uh announced that she was uh taking uh taking a break after uh after uh getting pregnant and expecting a child which she uh, she had a healthy baby i believe in the in the um, january i think i may be wrong there i apologize uh but uh uh the person that stepped up for her was Tabitha Peterson. Those of us who follow curling pretty closely always knew she was a really good player, but how impressive was she this year stepping in for Nina Roth and and uh, and taking that team to uh to a really really good record uh, you know during the year at uh, at world curling tour events, at Grand Slams and at Nationals obviously.
1: Well, it was amazing. It really was amazing to watch, um, you know, because when you think a, a team or, you know, a, a leader, in this case, Nina, who was skipping the team, you know, you think, whoa, there are going to be some hiccups along the way. And in, I guess in some ways there were a few hiccups, not many. Um, but really it was that first event uh, in Yusong. Uh, I was there in South Korea back in uh, early October. Uh, and I think that was Nina's last event with the team. But she was throwing first stones and, you know, Tab was was skipping. And, you know, they went on to beat uh, Savannah Tiranzoni in, what, the quarters. Uh, And then uh, they they advanced and and won the final. But to see the fearless nature of of Tabitha Peterson, um, and this is taking nothing away from Nina, nothing at all, but the fearlessness that that Tab has in, in throwing last rocks. And, you know, there's a little bit of experience there just from playing mixed doubles and, you know that's not the same. I get it. That's not the same as regular. You know, for a person. You know, as a team. But that's what I was just struck by. And there were a few misses early in the week. Um, you know, but there were a couple big makes, especially the the shot to win it the, in the final. Uh, but then you know you move on. Just so many other moments that they had. You know, I had a good week in Kurzawa. Um, you know, they they won U.S. Nationals. Clearly, um, had one hiccup there along the way. Uh, they lost to Jamie Sinclair in the round robin, but. You know the uh, was it the Meridian Canadian Open? You know they make the uh, top four there. They finished the um, um, the round robin undefeated, beat Anna Hasselborg, and uh you know came back in an extra end to beat them. Um you know bowed out. I, I guess I should say they they didn't make the final four. They were out in the quarterfinals. Uh, but it was still uh, you know another great showing. And you know they are a different team. They are a different team with with Tab and the Hack. And I, I'm not sure exactly exactly what it is. I just know that there is a fearless nature that she has, that she is not afraid uh, when the pressure is on and that she embraces the pressure. It doesn't matter where it comes from or what it is. She just seems to thrive in those kind of moments. And it was it was really amazing to to watch, especially them to take, you know, with the transition. It it didn't seem like there was a transition, right?
0: And the other story, I think, that came out of the United States that was interesting this year uh, or that may have caught some people, uh, by surprise, but those of us that knew the team a little bit uh, knew they were going to do or get some good results, pardon me, but uh, uh, maybe uh, maybe some people were surprised was the Young Bucks when they won the, uh, the Tier 2, uh, Corey Dropkin and his team, when they won the Tier 2 event uh, uh, at the Grand Slam, uh, which was kind of a, a stepping stone for them. And they went on to have a solid season, although they may have uh, been brought back to earth a little bit at U.S. Nationals, it still was a really good season for them.
1: Yeah, it was a fantastic season. Uh, no question about, no question about it. Uh, what the young bucks did—they had a uh, an incredible, incredible year. Now they will tell you that that year, when that season was not what they wanted it to be in any shape or form, simply because of what happened at U.S. Nationals, you alluded to. But you know, to win the tier two, um, you know, win that slam uh, again—it's a tier two. I understand. Um, you know, no U S team men's team had, had won a slam and, you know, there's an asterisk that comes with it. I get that. Um, they get that. Everybody understands, you know, a tier two is not a tier one. Um, but still that's some a claim to fame that they've got that John Schuster or any other U S men's team doesn't have. Um, and then they went on and, you know, if there was any question whether they belonged, uh, whether any of the, either of the two, um, uh, the tier two teams, what Menji Kim as well, you know, both tier two teams qualify Meridian Canadian open. And, you know, uh, I think it was in the what the third game was it the second or third game uh, there in um, in uh, Yorkton, Saskatchewan at the uh, Canadian Open, uh, where the Young Bucks are playing Brad Jacobs. It was the very first TV game of the week, and it, they take Brad Jacobs to the last rock. and Obviously, Jacobs went on to win it, but it validated uh, in a lot of ways. People were talking about the Young Bucks, and they went three and one. That was their only loss in the round robin. They went on, uh, made the quarters before uh, they lost to the Team McEwen. Um, but they come to national, they went to nationals is in a lot of ways. We talked about it on our podcast and a lot of people, who do you think is the favorite? Is it Schuster? Is it the young bucks? Because on paper, clearly the young bucks had all the momentum. Schuster, you never, ever count out in a nationals, the U S nationals, just because when the lights go on, as John has joked a couple of times, when the event ends in championships, that's when they get serious. Um, But, Things did not go the Young Bucks' way. Um, one of the big things for them uh, that there is no denying, when Joe Polo was in the lineup, they were a different team. Um, and then the decision was made right before Nationals. I don't know exactly when before U.S. Nationals was made that they were going to move Joe out and put Alex Benson back in. Um, it wasn't a, a, so much an Alex for Joe trade that, that was a big difference. Uh, something else that, that played a factor in it, you move a guy like Tom Howell, who is a front-end player. Uh, Tom Howell is a first, second. He is a front-end player, and that's what he is. He is not a third. Tom is a good friend, um, but he is not a third, a shot-maker in, in that kind of position in the lineup. And so they made those changes right before Nationals. It caught everybody by surprise. And when you hear a lot of other teams walking around before the event began saying, look, our chances to win it here just went up. Uh, you know, that's saying something and they, that's how much that everybody respected and knew what a different team that, uh, the young bucks were when Joe Polo was throwing third stones. Uh, and then you had, um, you know, Mark Fenner and Tom Howell as the front end. So it, it, it was a, it was an, a, a decision that obviously did not work out, uh, that they had hoped and thought would. It didn't, they didn't qualify for, for the playoffs and. In effect, their season was over.
0: So, Price, uh, I gotta I gotta ask you. Uh, the last uh, the last curling event that uh, the two of us attended uh, was the uh, Tim Hortons Briar in Kingston. Now, in retrospect, with everything that's gone on since, might not have been the uh, uh, the best move that I've ever made. But uh, you know, so far, so good. So I'm uh, so so I'm not overly concerned at this point uh, from from a health point of view. Uh, but it was your first briar. Uh, uh, you know, they they talk about the briar being a, a a different experience for the players, but it's also a different experience for the people in attendance. Uh, it, it's got a vibe of its own. Uh, can you share with uh, with the audience uh, w- what it was like experiencing your first briar?
1: Well, I'm like you. I go back actually now every couple of days and have have been checking the uh, the Kingston area to see w- how many COVID cases there might be because I'm like, oh boy, I mean, little did we know, right? I mean, did we did not know, Um, exactly what the situation was going to be when we were there, but I, I, ever since getting home, um, and really last week, it just keep looking back on, on the briar, but yeah, no media friends have gotten sick that I know of. Uh, no athletes, no coaches that we were around. Uh, nobody I know at all, at least publicly, has has come out and has had a positive case. So I'm like you in a lot of ways. That like, who just kind of wiping my brow. I think we're in the clear from that window. But yeah, like you said, I mean that was just an amazing week uh, to, to experience the Briar uh, for the first time. The Scotties was amazing. I had a great time. And there's I'm a little bit partial um, to the Scotties just because of the women's game. Um, it has nothing to do with men's versus women. You know, it's a lot like tennis. I was trying to, you know, equate it and explain to somebody, you know, in men's tennis, especially like hard court, you, you just don't get the rallies. You know, you get – it's a power. You know, I like a little bit more of the finesse, you know, some of the shot-making, and not that that is not there in the men's game. It clearly is. Um, but there's something about that I'm just partial, you know, to the Scotties. But when it comes to the off-ice stuff the or when it comes to the atmosphere, the crowd, the patch – Everything that has to do with the Briar, including the play on the ice—I mean, it's the Super Bowl. You know, I was talking to Chelsea Carey and just said, "I this is this is just—it's unbelievable." She goes, "Yeah, there's there's a reason why I go to a Briar. Clearly, I'm not playing, but it's just such a fun party, and it's just such a great time, and it really is because anybody who's everybody it seems like is is at the Briar and seems like was in Kingston. Um, it, it's just the atmosphere, uh, the patch, the the intensity in the crowds, the play on the ice—it—it was—it delivered in so many ways. And man, I wish, man, oh man, especially with what's going on now. I mean, I wish we could go back and do it all again. But with everything going on, I would—I would do anything uh, if we could just—if I could get that experience over for even a day to take away from you know what's going on here in our daily lives at this moment.
0: If you're looking to buy some new curling equipment, look no further than Hardline. They offer premium curling equipment that is a choice of the world's top curlers. Whether it's the U.S. Olympic gold medalist, Team Schuster, or women's Olympic gold medalist, Sweden's Team Hasselberg. Or how about the top Canadian teams, Briar Champs, Team Cooey, Team Gushu, Team Jacobs, Team Carruthers, and world champions, Team Adine and Team Tiranzoni. Hardline's new composite broom, the Hybrid Helium, is the lightest composite broom on the market, and it's perfect for beginners. Hardline also offers a full range of equipment to get you playing your best, including shoes, apparel and the pro slide delivery aid designed by Reed Carruthers. Visit our website at www.hardlinecurling.com and join the revolution.) Want to touch as I mentioned, uh, you and I are, are both uh, big sports fan. You follow a lot of sports uh, uh, in the states, uh, you know, including curling, but but a lot of other sports. So do I up here in Canada. Uh, just uh, wondering, uh, as I mentioned uh, when I was introducing you, uh, you were at one point and uh, a swimmer at the University of Kentucky, uh, an NCAA athlete uh talk about the impact that this situation might have on some of the athletes uh at the ncaa level especially since word has come out now that uh, they may lose uh their season of eligibility specifically those that were in the middle of their season uh what have you heard about that uh, price and then what do you think how, how do you think that should be resolved
1: well first of all a lot of people would would probably tell you you're lying through your teeth to say i was a swimmer because 40 or 50 pounds to go maybe even 60 uh, it's been a few pops and hops since those days but um, yeah, I, I am. I am uh, partial to what we call them, obviously, in the United States is the Olympic sports. You know, you can refer to them as non-revenue. Uh, you can refer to them as the, uh, you know, Olympic sports. But it, it it obviously was it was heartbreaking to see, um, especially at least in my particular sport, in every sport. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it was the NCAA tournament, March Madness and men's basketball, women's basketball, um, winter sports that were in the championship portion of their season to even the spring sports that were just getting off the ground, you know, college baseball, you know, teams were, you know, basically 15 to 20 games into a college baseball season, softball, men's women's golf, tennis, you know, to have it ripped away in such an abnormal way. I mean, everybody was, it was rowing in is rowing in the same boat. Like there's nothing you could do about it. I mean, there was just no other way to skin it. Um, You had, you just had to stop it. But, you know, it still doesn't take away to the hours of the, the the time, the commitments, the early mornings in the weight room. You know, in my sport, you know, the all the early mornings in the pool, back in the pool in the afternoon, you know, all the dry land training on, on the weekends, you know, it, it still doesn't make it it doesn't make it any easier to stomach. It doesn't matter the sport. You know, but now I, I think the NCAA, you know, the conversations are underway. Um, the last I heard, and this is just what I've heard is that it might be a tougher sell for you to get, um, you know, the winter sports to get a uh, eligibility restoration when it comes to winter sports um, versus the spring sports. You know, with the spring sports having ba- basically barely gotten underway, you know, in the winter sports, most of them were in the championship portion of their season. If they weren't in the championship portion, they were right there at it. Like, you know, NCAA wrestling, I believe their ch- all they had left was uh, NCAAs, you know, swimming. That's basically all they had left. Uh, same goes, obviously, March Madness. The conference tournaments were were basically uh, underway and, and were taking place with those last weekends. But, you know, the spring sports, as I mentioned, so here's, here's the deal. What do you do now? Um, I don't think there is an easy answer. I certainly think the easy answer for the spring sports that basically never got off the ground um, is you got to give their eligibility back. You got to give them one more year. As for what you do with the winter sports, that's the big question, and that's where I think the NCAA is wrestling with. I think that ultimately they're going to decide to hopefully give them the option to come back and and play, compete for an extra year, Uh, but they might not. Everything I heard is that they're leaning no, but something tells me with this and everything that's gone on, I hope, and this is when you hope and you put NCAA in the same sentence, hoping an NCAA is never a good recipe. I will still maintain that I hope that level heads prevail in this case because I would even tell you just in just a, on a side note, you know, if this was me, and this is, and this again is just my case, and this is the reason why I say this is I want to point out that everybody is not going to come back. Let's say you're an NCAA wrestler or you're a swimmer. You know, in my case, uh, uh, pick your other sport. Basketball is a little bit different. Um, I could see a lot of basketball players coming back. One and done's so if you play it maybe a Kansas Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, maybe maybe not so much. I mean one and done is one and done, they're out the door. But let's take my sport for instance in, in, in swimming. You know, I wasn't at the at the cusp of going to the Olympic Games. You know, I did it for the love of it. I love competing. I love being a college swimmer. I, it wasn't a meal ticket for me. You know, graduating, you know, was was ultimately what I was there for and, and to you know, get my degree and to move into uh you know, to get a full-time job. So I I was thinking the other day, hey, if this were me, what would I do? I probably, if it were me, and I say this having been away from, you know, my sport for just over 20 years now, I probably wouldn't have come back and and taken an extra year if it were offered swimming for swimming because, you know, it just was kind of that time to move on. You know, everybody would make that same decision. Uh, There would be a lot of people that would. There would be a lot of athletes that wouldn't be ready to start grad school. There would be a lot of athletes that may have been, participating in their given sport for years and years and years and be like, you know what? They mentally knew going into their senior year, knowing that that was it. And they said, you know what? This is my last hurrah mentally. And it, after all this transpired, they could say, you know what? I just checked out. I don't have another full season to give. So uh, that's something that not a lot of people talk about. Uh, there are other things that are, that people do talk about Frank is, what do you do? You know, do you are you're going to have to probably lift any kind of scholarship cap. You're going to have to make some, you know, you, you can't give out, say, 13 full scholarships for men's basketball. Well, I think men's basketball will stay the same. But like swimming, I think you're going to have to move your your scholarship cap. But, but there are just a lot of unknowns. There are just so many different things that are going to be difficult for the NCAA to navigate. And, and we won't know. Uh, we certainly have a lot of time. Uh, to figure those things out,
0: yeah, and I think that's uh, one of the uh, interesting, uh, and, and interesting is probably the wrong word. One of the um, challenging things in, in most sports, and and for anybody who's in a leadership spot or or even the athletes, is that there really no no roadmap for a situation like this. I mean, you never know really uh, what's going to be next. I mean, when when the NBA cancel or suspended their season, I should say, uh, they were talking about well, we'll be back in fourteen days. Now, in, it would appear that you know best best guests you know maybe midsummer, late summer uh maybe even having to cancel the rest of the remainder of the season so um so i am just i'm just wondering i mean you follow a lot of those um, american leagues a lot closer than, than maybe some of us here do here in in canada where we're mostly focused on uh on hockey and and the Raptors and the Blue Jays, of course, but you know not so much. I, I, maybe I'm speaking only for myself. Not so much the NFL and not, and not so much the NBA outside of the Raptors. Uh, just wondering, what's the um, what's the vibe like in the states right now? Is is there like are, are people come to grips with the idea that most of our regular TV sports viewing and and going out to games may be done for several months now because of what we're, we're, um, we're dealing with price or, or are there still people kind of holding out hope that, you know, by May 15th, we might have major league baseball.
1: Oh, I mean, there's definitely people holding out hope. I mean, there's, (laughs) there's no question. I mean, I, look, even me, like I'm a glass half full guy, but I'm also a realist. And I know that this is not about a two or three week thing. I mean, we're looking at two to three months. I mean, it's, that's really the, the, the new norm. Um, you know, there's no way that we're going to get Major League Baseball before June 1st. I mean, there's no possible way. I mean, it could even be Fourth of July before we get any kind of Major League Baseball. Uh, that's just me speculating. But there's, I mean, there's people holding out hope, but I think there's a ton of people that are realistic, like this ain't coming back anytime soon, guys. Uh, and right now, I will tell you and take it a step further, you know, there's people out there right now they're just starting to wake up. And I'm saying just starting to wake up. And, these, and I'm not going to say they're the ones that we need a finger point. That would not be fair. But there are a lot of people that are starting to wake up and realize to say, look, if we don't get this thing under control and we don't get this thing stopped, and I'm talking stopped almost dead cold, we're not going to have college football. We're not going to have the NFL, you know, August in September. It's not going to happen. And so I think that realization it's just starting to pop up on, on people's radar. And, you know, some of the people that might say this is, you know, no, you know, BFD. I can't get it. Um, this is, you know, this is a hoax. I think some of those people are and I can't you can't make any direct correlation. I, I, I wouldn't do that, but. You know, there's some people that are waking up that are starting to say, well, look, my college football might be taken away from me. And, I, and I'm speaking predominantly of a lot of people here in the South where I saw some chart today. I was on my staff call um, and one of my coworkers was, was talking about South Carolina uh, being one of the most uh, active states right now because it showed people's movement. in in South Carolina, it actually was dead last out of the 50 states and showing something to the gr- degree of, of people that were, you know, moving around versus, you know, quarantining and, and not leaving their homes. And I just it just made, had me shaking my head like some people just don't get it. But, you know, it's come to the realization, Frank, that, that some people that thought this was not uh, for real, that it is for real and that if they don't take it seriously and that it is for real. Some of those fans that thought thought we're just gonna, you know, grit our teeth and get through this, some of the things they love, like college football in the NFL, it will not be there when it comes time to start in August and September.
0: Price, you and I could uh, talk for hours, uh, but I didn't want to keep this too long. And uh, obviously we're going to probably get a chance to uh, talk together again in the near future. So we'll, we'll talk baseball and other sports uh, the next time we chat. Uh, but you provided me with a great segue for my final question in your last response. And, and uh, a, a, a small anecdote to set it up. Uh, when uh, the NHL announced that it was canceling the, uh, or postponing the NHL season when the outbreak first started taking, uh, you know, a higher degree of magnitude, uh, later that day there was some, there was an announcement that, that some Canadian uh, researchers had isolated the uh, the covid nineteen uh, virus, and the joke going around the internet was that you know you cancel hockey and then within twelve hours Canadians have uh, isolated the, the covid nineteen virus in the hope of uh, of making it easier for people to find vaccines i 'm just wondering uh, you talked about how people might be looking now at the NHL, sorry the NFL season and college football season that may be being at risk. As silly as it might sound, considering there are so many people dying and so many people sick, is, that, is, is the potential cancellation of the NFL or the postponement of the NFL season or the postponement of college football, might that be a nudge that some people in certain parts of the United States might need to start taking this virus a little bit more seriously, uh, to pay more attention to what the health authorities are saying and, and perhaps uh, practice a better social distancing in the hope of making sure that everything gets resolved uh, before there is any uh, delay in the NFL season or in the college football season.
1: Well, I hope so, Frank. I hope that that people see and and now take this if they're not taking it seriously or haven't that they do. I mean, not only do, <laughs> do you see people losing their lives, uh, not you know here in North America, but you know in Europe, everywhere around the world. Um, this isn't you know this this is a global crisis. Um, I, I hate that the fact that it would take potentially for some. Uh, NCAA football, college football, uh, the NHL Stanley Cup, uh, you know, the NFL regular season. I I mean, I would hate for those type of things to be the wake-up call. But look, if that's what it takes, uh, so be it. Uh, As sad as it may be, I'll be just fine uh, if those are what scares people into just being serious. But you know, I, I will just say real quickly, I mean, on the way out the door, it, it, this, this is going to take everybody. You know, it's sickening. It was it was sickening last week to watch when you see spring breakers, you know, filling Florida beaches last week. And knowing that all those students, you know, young people were going to be going back into a local community, you know, in all 50 states, uh, you know, maybe across the border or borders, uh, wherever it may be. Uh, because they hadn't taken it seriously for a week because they said, well, I can't get my $800 deposit back from, you know, what we spent back last summer or last fall to reserve our spring break, uh, you know, our week, uh, you know, at Daytona Beach. You know, the heck with that. I'm going I'm to get my money's worth. Well, because they did that, you know, they put so many other people at risk. And, you know, it's, it's infuriating. Uh, it's sickening. I just hope that some people that that are smarter than that, that at least until this point uh, that haven't got serious will do it because the only way that we as a side society and I say we, I mean everybody. I mean I'm talking North America, Canada, the United States, everywhere, at least here in this neck of the of the woods uh, you know around the world, we're not getting past this until everybody gets serious. The, the stay home uh, unless you have to go out. That, that it's not just a it's not just a tagline. It's not just something that you say to to feel good. Everybody's got to do it. Uh, Otherwise, you're going to have this thing just continually being spread. And we will not be able to get back to any sense of normalcy until people, everybody take this seriously.
0: Uh, So, Price, uh, the people who will be listening to this interview will not know, but uh, we did uh, part of this interview yesterday, uh, and that was before we found out that uh, the International Olympic Committee i uh, had uh, postponed uh, the two thousand twenty uh Summer Olympic Games and, and we're going to move it to uh, to 2021. Uh, we we spoke uh, off uh, offline. We spoke briefly about the fact that Team Canada had announced they weren't going, but we didn't want to talk about it because there was still nothing had been finalized. Well, since then, uh, the International Olympic Committee has announced that uh, they are postponing the uh, 2020 Summer Olympics uh, and moving them to 2021. Uh, the reason I wanted to include this in our interview, Price, is that you and I, uh, what the audience might not know, is we're 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 big Olympic fans, and and I know that we were both concerned with everything going on about the possibility of having uh, athletes and coaches and officials uh, in Japan uh, for the Olympic games in a couple of months, when when the the this pandemic might have not have been resolved yet. And signs are pointing that it won't be resolved yet. So uh, uh, you know, if you can share with uh, your thoughts, I mean, I, I think it's a great idea. I was happy when Canada uh, uh, decided that they wouldn't be attending. I thought it was a smart move for athletes. As heartbreaking as it is for the athletes, I get that uh but most of them uh you know if they decide to, to to keep going their careers will get a chance you know will get a chance to compete in 2021 uh you've uh, you've competed at the uh, collegiate level uh as we mentioned uh, earlier in the interview uh, in the NCAA and and you love olympic sports uh, what are your thoughts uh, on uh, on the decision by the international olympic committee uh, to postpone the games uh, until uh, the summer of 2021
1: well, number one, I think they they did the right thing. Um, not, no question about it. The thing that comes before anything and everything is the safety of uh, the athletes, coaches, and those attending, um, and that is paramount. And when you hear uh, and read surveys that were done, I read a story this morning in USA Today about the U.S. Olympic Committee uh, 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 polling athletes, uh, and you had two-thirds that were in favor of, of delaying the games simply because of uh, safety reasons. You know, they didn't feel comfortable uh, because of uh, a myriad of factors, but primarily, obviously, the ongoing uh, coronavirus e- epidemic that's that's not just, uh, you know, sweeping the, you know, Asia that's coming across Europe. Obviously, here in North America, it's everywhere, um, except obviously, you know, some countries few and far between. But the, the biggest thing is the safety uh, of everybody that would be attending and that'd be participating. Um, it, it took, uh, you know, the leadership of Canada, uh, and some other nations to say, you know what, we're not going. And, you know, the IOC dawdled long enough, um, especially dragging its feet, you know, they're clearly, and everybody, you know, understands to some degree at, you know, smaller more than others, but, you know, the economic ramifications are massive. Um, when you talk about delaying an Olympic games that you had spent. What I guess since I guess 2013 preparing for when uh, Tokyo was announced as the host. So, you know, there are major economic ramifications uh, that come with uh, delaying the games, but there are major re- ramifications if you're going to hold it amidst a major worldwide crisis. And with the crisis showing no signs of an end, there's no way you could put athletes, spectators, coaches in, in an atmosphere uh, amidst just swirling uncertainty. And forget the fact that athletes right now uh, pick your country, um, Canada, U.S. Uh, just talk from North American perspective right now. I mean, how are, they're not training. I mean, you've got swimmers, you know, somebody like a Katie Ledecky that can't find a pool to get in. Uh, I was reading about uh, a couple wrestlers that were basically, hey, we're we're in our, we're in our backyard, you know, <laughs> practicing on our grass. You know, that's not how how high level Olympic athletes train. Um, you know, a gymnast uh, I was reading, you know, it said basically reduced to what you could do on the monkey bars at a playground, you know, the, uh, the most basic routine. That is not preparing to compete at the highest level, to be at your best, to compete against the world's best. So there's no question about it uh, that this was the clear and the right decision. It's just in a lot of ways tragic that it took the IOC this long to get there uh, in some countries, uh, Canada leading the way to say, you know what? Nope, this is not the right call. We're going to show the leadership on this if you can
0: As much as we had promised not to talk too much about the virus, I think it's a dominating subject, obviously, and uh, and so I want to thank you for stopping by, giving your impressions on curling and uh, on NCAA sports, NCAA sports, and uh, uh, and obviously talk a little bit about what's dominating everybody's uh, uh, thoughts to th- this week and and last week, and 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 for the for for the, for the next little while, I'm I'm assuming, and and this is this virus that we're all uh, uh, combating against. Uh, I uh price it, it was nice to finally get you on on the podcast to to talk uh, over the airwaves that we've done so several times on on the phone and in person. Uh I wish it was under different circumstances next time. I hope we can talk some uh, some curling and some baseball and some college football. I know you do a terrific uh, podcast that focuses on the uh, military academies uh, during the college football season. Hopefully you get to do a full season of that this year. Uh and uh, and otherwise uh stay safe and uh uh and and all the best to you and then hopefully we can get do this in a month or so and and even if the virus is still ongoing uh price we'll uh we'll uh, we'll talk baseball and we'll talk some other sports and uh and hopefully entertain people a little bit
1: yeah we'll have to get you on uh, our podcast with us uh joe calabrese jerry gertz uh you know a few others that rotate co and with me on, on the extra extra and uh through the footman sports network but you know for is the godfather of the curling podcast so to speak frank it's it's an honor to talk with you, whether it's curling, uh, football, life, uh, anything it is. Look, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure.
0: My thanks to Price Atkinson for joining me for this special episode of the From the Hack podcast, especially for jumping back on the phone after the announcement by the International Olympic Committee. I want to end the podcast by reminding everybody to stay safe, maintain social distancing, and hopefully we get through this together as quickly as possible i'll be back later this week with another really cool guest the only hint i'll give you is that there is going to be both curling and golf talk my name is frank rock and this is from the hack